The following is a hoop ball presentation. Regulators, you regulate any stealing of his property. We're damn good too, but you can't be any geek off the street. Got to be handy with the steal if you know what I mean. Earn your keep. Regulators, mount up. It was a clear black night. Happy New Year, everybody! Welcome to Ball In, Ball Out. The official Lakers podcast of hoop-ball.com. I am Dan Bespris. Eli Bauman is with us here fighting his way through. I mean, we needed a disabled list on this show. Uh, first, it was me with the flu. Then it was Eric with hand, foot, and mouth disease. And then Eli, back spasm. This is like the closest thing we've got to a legitimate uh, basketball-style injury. But he's ready to go. But most importantly, we have a special guest on today's program, and we'll get to that in just a moment. Wanted to let everybody know once again, you can follow us, uh, all of us on Twitter, at Dan Bespris, at Eli Bauman, or rather not Eric Noble, not on the uh, social media sphere, at Hoopball Lakers. If you're not following us at that location so far, that's where all of our Lakers stuff is coming loose. Again, that's at Hoopball Lakers. But all that stuff, we can get into that a little bit later on. I want to get straight to the special guest. So I didn't know if I should introduce this man as the uh, lesser or greater half. So I'm going to let him do it. Uh, but we are very thrilled here to be joined by Harrison Fagan on the podcast. And before I tell everybody where they can find you, uh, we had Anthony on a couple weeks ago. The greater or lesser half? Which one are you? Oh, I'm definitely the greater half. Yeah. I mean, he is like... He's physically the greater half just because he's larger, <laughs> but like, and I'm going to, I'm going to make fun of him for that. But I, I am like, if we're, if we're going by talent level, I don't know. You can just, you can go look at our iTunes reviews and you can see who, who people complain <laughs> about and who people want to host a solo podcast. And then I'll let you decide who's the greater half. I figured I could just let you attack him. I mean, you, you know, when you work with somebody for a long time, that that's part of the fun, right? It's just being able to go after them every opportunity you get. Yeah, no, no, like we on our podcast, like it's ostensibly a Lakers podcast, but half the time I feel like we spend bickering like an old married couple. <laughs> and I don't know if that's the greatest plug for it, but it, it's about the Lakers. And so I, I don't know. We have fun with it. He, he honestly, like it's all in good. Like it is all in good fun. He's one of my best friends. He's the best co-host I could ask for. But yeah, I mean, I'm sure he came on here and just trashed me. So <laughs> well, like, gonna... I, I had to give it back to him. A little I just bit. I just wanted to start a war. So that way I can I can email him. I can be like, look what Harrison said. You got to come back on and. And defend yourself and that way i can just i can turn this show into like a flame war between you two yeah Uh, just cut together a bit like just edit together a very inflammatory clip from what i just said (laughs) yeah i'm gonna i'll piecemeal it together uh you can of course find harrison fagan on twitter at hm fagan f-a-i-g-e-n he is a senior writer at lakers nation and a host a co-host the host the greater host of locked on lakers podcast uh All right, so, you know, I was hoping that when we spoke, things would be a little bit better on the Lakers' side, but they haven't been, and we kind of all knew this was coming. December was this looming monster of a month where the Lakers were going to have to play title contenders, like one right after the other, like a sobriety test of of title contenders, basically until the new year. The, The problem, certainly for... Uh, Lakers fan base, I have to imagine, and certainly for us it's been, is that after all of those what appear to be really good, nice effort performances, losses in overtime, and there's been another one now to the Houston Rockets, 
uh, multiple overtime losses to the Warriors, uh, competing against these teams that are, are either the champs or championship-caliber teams. They've, they've come out and they've just laid eggs against the other clubs. So I guess my question for you to kind of get this, I, I, I want to try to stay optimistic, but is this just the grind of a long season? Is just this a young team that when they have an opportunity to let down, they kind of are doing so? Or is there something bigger at play? No, I, th- I think it's honestly, I think a big part of it is the stuff that you mentioned. It's the, it's the tough schedule. They've lost, they've obviously like, they haven't done well at it. They've lost 10 of their last 11. They've lost their set, like the last seven straight. They've been really bad for most of December. And it's, it's just funny because I remember early on in December, there was that first, it was that first road trip. It started on the seventh and they took on the Sixers, the Hornets, the Knicks and the Cavs. And they came out of that two and two. And then they were competitive in the two losses. And people were like, Oh, you know, maybe December is not going to be so bad. And then it flipped and it was December was horrible. And since then, like I said, they've lost 10 of their last 11. And it's just like it's been a really rough stretch for this team. And I think probably the biggest thing is just that they're a young team and they probably played a little bit unsustainably good defense to start the year. And we kind of all knew that, right? Like that they weren't going to come up and be like a top five defensive team after being last in the league last year. And so they were probably playing unsustainable defense. They started to have some injuries hit right as the schedule got tougher. And it was almost just perfect storm for this complete backslide. As of when we're recording today, I believe they're in either last or second to last in the Western Conference. I looked at that yesterday, but I haven't looked at it since the standings updated. But yeah, I mean, they've been really bad. And I think it's I think it's like I said, it's been the perfect storm of just bad luck. So now that we've hit the new year, uh, Happy New Year, by the way, Harrison. <laughs> yeah, thank you. Happy New Year to you as well. Uh, is there is there reason for optimism? Can this thing get better? Can the the can health play a role in getting the team back on track, or is it just going to be like something we've seen a thousand times with a thousand NBA teams before, which is you go through a rough stretch, and there are team meetings, and there are lineup adjustments, and then all of a sudden one day things start to get a little bit better almost without any particular reason and then it's okay i you know it's there have been stretches lately that have been frankly kind of tough to watch so i you know i'll try to make this question a little more specific is there a, a time maybe this month or or later in the season where you're looking toward the lakers starting to improve again starting to show a little more of what we saw early on or you know is this is this what they are now well, it's like one of those things where it can't get worse, right? He said, tempting fate. <laughs> and, you know, like, I, I think that it, it just, as much as it was a perfect storm that led to this backslide, they were never going to be as good for the whole season as they were to start the year. And so I don't think that they're going to get back to those heights. And I think they've been exposed a little bit. People have, like, they started to compile game film. This was a very new team that the NBA hadn't had a lot of exposure to, and they're starting to figure them out a little bit. And the other thing is that, as much as Lonzo Ball has been a horrific and like historically bad shooter to start his career, and he was a little bit, but he was getting a little bit better before this recent shoulder sprain, but he was still pretty bad as far as scoring. Uh, you know, he's going to come back, and at least that's going to get the offense, like that's going to get the ball moving again in the offense a little bit. And it's like that, I think intangibly can kind of lead to some defensive improvements because more guys feel like they're touching the ball. They don't have to feel like they have to save their energy to go get their own bucket. And so I think that will factor in. 
I think this team has missed Brooke Lopez a lot more than a lot of people would like to admit or like more than fans really like to admit. He's actually like shameless plug, but I wrote about this for Lakers Nation the other day. Their backslide, they've made a backslide in de- defensively since he went out. And some of that is schedule for sure. But if you look at the numbers, they're just contesting a lot less shots around the rim without him there. And he just really did a good job early this season of leveraging his length and affecting shots. And so I think that that's some of that defensive backslide that you're seeing as well as them playing tougher opponents. And so when those two guys come back, I think maybe they get a little bit better again. I think Another part of this is like the younger guys are going to have to catch their second wind because they are just like they're rookies and playing in their first NBA season. And Kyle Kuzma is like second on the team in total minutes. And so that that's going to wear on you when you're you. And he talked about this after the game last night against the Timberwolves where like he didn't use tired legs as an excuse, but he's never played this many games before. And so you can kind of put two and two together if you're just a reasonable person like you know, the, these guys are young and they're still adjusting to NBA basketball and they're going to be tired. They've, they've never played this much basketball before, at least not at this high of a level. We're uh, talking to Harrison Fagan here again at HM Fagan. If you want to give him a follow on Twitter, I suggest that you do. Senior writer at Lakers Nation and a host of Locked On Lakers. Uh, your buddy Anthony actually brought up an interesting point on the Brooke Lopez front. So I'm, I'm curious your thoughts on it as well. He was also kind of defending Brooke, which I agree with. I, I like Brooke Lopez. I feel I'm like he's shocked by that. I thought he hated Brooke Lopez. Yeah, but. he he uh, he basically just he said that the eye test played a big role in it. That that Brooke Lopez does everything at sort of like a big lumbering speed, and you know a guy like a Julius Randall is moving much quicker and switching on defense, and it just looks better when Randall dunks as opposed to when. Lopez, you know, perhaps has the yips recently and and can't get a free throw to hit the rim. Uh, But it does seem like he provided something to the team. And and you mentioned, you know, being able to protect the rim a little bit. Uh, You know, how I guess that what are the Lakers going to do about this this big man thing? There's a glut of them and there doesn't seem to be any kind of real consistency to to who's out there and for how long. I mean, you, you see a game where. Randall plays like nine minutes and then 30 minutes. The rotations are all cockeyed. Is this ever going to settle in or, you know, is this a demo, like a full season demo for all of these guys? What's going on on that front? So I think it's they have too many big men. You you hit the nail right on the head. It's a crowded front court and they probably have just one too many bigs that deserves to play. And then that's without even mentioning that they also have sitting on the bench Thomas Bryan and Avica Zubots, both kind of somewhat promising young second rounders of, you know, like I think Thomas Bryant has probably surpassed Zubots as far as uh, like looking like as a potential keeper for the future because of his, like the range that he showed in the G League. And both of those guys kind of also deserve to play, but they aren't even factoring in because there's so many guys ahead of them that do deserve to play. And Kuzma's playing a bunch of minutes, you know, like Randall is not playing as many minutes as he would like. Right now, Lopez being out, I think has helped the rotation a little bit just because it solidifies like it's like one less guy that they have to play. But then Luke has had this kind of fascination with playing Andrew Bogut, quite a bit this year and so just sometimes seemingly arbitrarily and then you have Nance who like really has not been very good for most of the year but continues to play because he does a lot of the little things that Luke likes but like if you're adding up like his little things don't outweigh the big helpful talented things that the other bigs can do and so 
in my opinion, I actually said this on the last podcast that Anthony and I recorded, that this would be probably an impossible thing to do. But almost the solution is sitting Nance down, or at least until you make a trade or you make some type of move, because they just have too many guys right now. And I think that's a problem. And it's especially a problem when, you know, you're having stuff like last week, they had that team meeting where they were going, where they were all airing out grievances about the team and grievances about their role and future contract stuff and whatever. And that is going to start to come into play when a bunch of guys are in contract years and you're playing them the fewest minutes they've ever played. All right, so this, I, I got to ask on the Brooke Lopez front, is there any universe where he sees like 30 minutes for the Lakers going the rest of the way, or is he basically locked into like a 20-minute role when he comes back? No, I can't, I can't see him getting 30. I, th- I think Luke has been pretty like judicious about, you know, he's going to play a little less than half the game, and we, we're going to start him both halves, and then we're going to see how it's going from there, kind of. Because mm-hmm. it, there is, the, the danger that you do run into is against smaller lineups, he's toast in the pick and roll, and so, like, you can start to run into problems there a little bit. Yeah, without question. Um, okay, so on the, on the contract front, I, you have a much firmer grasp of this than I do. Uh, and you opened the door in your in your last explanation, or I don't think I would have dr- walked through it without that. Uh, you mentioned trades. It, who is there? Anybody that the Lakers could really move? Can they get things back that are useful for the future? What are the moving pieces like on that front? Well, so there have been a bunch of reports lately that they'd love to trade Julius Randle, but I think that that's a hard thing to do for a couple of reasons. I think for one, you kind of have to make sure, like. Uh, the biggest thing is you got to make sure that you trade him to a destination where he's going to be happy and be able to showcase himself because he has the same agent as Paul George. And you don't want to unnecessarily piss off Paul George's management a little bit. And so I think that that's a factor. And then the other thing is how much do teams really want to give up for a guy that they could probably they probably know they can get in restricted free agency anyway because the Lakers have made like have basically by the way that they've used Randall and the way that they've in some ways mistreated him that they're not they're probably not planning on keeping him. And so how much are you willing to give up for a guy that's in the last year of his deal that you can most likely sign in free agency anyway. So I think that those are kind of the things that that are going to and then for the on the Lakers end, it, it are what teams going are willing to give up enough to get you to part with Randall, and is the salary commitment small enough that it's not affecting your cap space for this summer? Because a big part of the reason why they want to move on from him is because they're trying to get to those two max slots, and right now they aren't there yet, and they have to move two of the three of Luol Deng, Jordan Clarkson, and Julius Randall to get there. And so is Randall one of the guys that ends up moving? You'd almost certainly in a vacuum, it would be Dang would be one of the guys, but that might be impossible. <laughs> yeah, you so, mean, nobody wants Luol Dang. I can't believe it. Yeah, no, exactly. It, it's weird, right? Like that nobody wants a guy who whose contract was instantly panned the second it was signed <laughs> and and has only since then basically turned to dust. I I actually legitimate. So last week I was credentialed uh, to go to Lakers home games for the first time this year. Outstanding. And. Huh? I said outstanding. Yeah, it was it was cool to get back there. Last year I went to about half their home games. This year I've had some other time commitments, so I haven't been able to make it out there. But I went out last week and I ran into Lou Aldang in the locker room, and I had like legitimately forgotten that he was on the team and still around. <laughs> like I saw him in there, and I was like, oh, I guess he still comes to games and stuff. Yeah, because I, it's so he, funny that you mentioned that because I was watching a game recently and I was looking for him and I couldn't even find him. Like he was no, he doesn't come the... out for the games. For, I think I don't know if he goes home or if he just like gets on the exercise bike or like gets treatment or whatever. 
whatever, but he doesn't come out. Like, he's still traveling with the team, too. He just doesn't come out for games. That's madness. Have you ever seen that before? I don't remember ever seeing that, where a guy's on a team, but he just, like, doesn't actually show up. Yeah, it's very it, it is it is weird, but I think the thing he's actually been by all accounts a pretty good mentor to the younger guys on the team. Like I, I was talking to Thomas Bryant the other day, and he calls him Uncle Lou because <laughs> he's just kind of been like such a veteran presence, and he's still like I, I think well regarded in the lo- locker room. Avica Zubats was giving him a hard time on Instagram the other day, and like you know, like it seems like they're all like he's kind of made an effort to even though he's not playing and he's not happy with his role and he doesn't want to be on the team that at least while he's here he's going to try and make the best of it and just like be a good presence and I think that that's just kind of who he is but I also think that it kind of makes sense to not put him out there it's like an awkward situation to have him sitting on the bench and like you know occasionally you're going to get those mocking cheers of like put dang in or something like you know like I think it's just probably easier on everybody to just like not have him come out yeah I guess that does make some sense so uh is there any universe where the Lakers could retain a guy like Julius Randle and get at some of these interesting free agents because it does seem like he's played pretty darn well this year. Yeah, and that's the thing is that like there at, at this point there are they're kind of unnecessarily angering probably their best player this year and just they've like arbitrarily decided no but we're not going to keep him because we're getting two max free agents which sure if you can get LeBron and Paul George then yeah you pass on Julius Randle if that's what you have to do. But there's no guarantee that they're getting both of those guys. And you'd think, I mean, lately by starting him, I think maybe you're starting to see some of that is they're like acquiescing a little bit and they're like, okay, this guy's actually like pretty good. Maybe we should try and keep him around. But I, it, it is weird. And so there is a way that they could do it, but they would have to get, they would have to get out from under Clarkson and Dang, which would be, I think, pretty difficult. And then there would still be some cap gymnastics and they'd have to like, not have Randall sign early in free agency. They'd need to like kind of get their other ducks in a row first. So I, I think it could happen. I just don't think it's the most likely outcome. Last question for you. Again, talking to Harrison Fagan, a uh, five-game homestand for the Lakers opens up on Wednesday. The Thunder, the Hornets, the Hawks, the Kings, and the Spurs. Three of those games, I would certainly say, feel eminently winnable if this team is putting together a decent effort. Uh, and then, of course, you got to figure the Thunder game is going to be sort of a, the 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 Paul George courtship, wink, wink, nod, nod. Here's five hundred thousand uh, dollars. How do we see how do we see this five game stretch playing out for LA? Yeah, so I I think. I think they'll probably play a little bit better just by virtue of being at home. I think every team plays a little bit better at home, but it's also like, uh, and and then, you know, like you mentioned, they're, they're playing the Hawks who are not very good. They're playing the Kings who are not very good. And so that, like that kind of stuff helps the thunder are kind of going through their own issues. Although I think Paul George is going to be motivated to have like his best game of the year and just get showered and cheers by Laker fans and like get, you know, <laughs> yeah. that all that stuff buzzing. So I, you're definitely right. That's going to be, a theme. And so I just like, I mean, I don't know. I, I think it's hard to say that it's hard to guarantee that they're going to play better because they've been so bad lately, but also because of that, it would also be hard for them to play worse. And so I think they will be a little bit better. It's just a matter of how much does their record actually reflect that. I, I think the Hornets are like another be- very beatable team. And so, you know, like you could see them maybe go like, I, I think two and three, like three and two, somewhere around there would not be unreasonable, but they've also been really bad lately. So maybe not. And I know that that's like a boring answer rather than like guaranteeing. Yeah, they're going to win five straight. But I think the Paul George the Paul George stuff is going to be fun. I, I 
having him come to LA and seeing Laker fans go crazy about him and having like the LA media just kind of like ask him a hundred questions about joining the Lakers until finally he just cracks is going to be entertaining (laughs) at the very least. Completely agree. And also I must say, I feel like pragmatism uh, is underrated in modern society. So that is a okay. Uh, certainly my, the one thing for me is I, I, I desperately hope this team after these, this monster game with the thunder, they don't totally let down again and, uh, lay three eggs in between the two nationally televised games. But I guess we'll wait and see young teams looking to get healthy. Harrison Fagan, thank you so much for coming on. No, thank you for having me, Dan. This was fun. He is Harrison Fagan. He is at HM Fagan on Twitter, a senior writer at Lakers Nation and a host of Locked On Lakers. Well, that was fun. I, uh, those guys over there at Locked On, they, uh, they've been nothing but kind to us here in our infancy at Ball In, Ball Out. Harrison Fagan, um, also, I should mention off air, mentioned that there's like secret Twitter gatherings of Lakers fans. So maybe we should get ourselves involved in that one. Uh, Eli, welcome back to the Lakers. What do you, mean, what do you mean secret gatherings? I don't, Where are these secret see, gatherings? that's what I want to find out. I got to figure this thing out. So I'm going to, I'm going to keep hammering that thing, uh, but if I keep talking about it, it will no longer be a secret. So I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to figure this thing out. I'm excited about that. I'm excited about a lot of things. Uh, most notably, you, Eli, your triumphant return from New well, Year's in I'm New back. York. Uh, barely hanging on by a thread, barely alive, but doing a podcast. Uh, I was texting and I said we kind of needed a, a disabled list for this show because one of us is perpetually dead. But uh, wel- <laughs> welcome back to Mild Health. Thank you, Dan. It's a it's a pleasure to be back. I was in really really frigid New York, standing outside for long periods of time in six six to eight degree weather. Ugh. And then I got back spasms on the plane flight home. So much like the Lakers, I'm limping into 2018. Happy New Year, my man. Thank you. Happy New Year to you. Thank you. Nowhere, sir. nowhere to go but up. That's my slogan <laughs> for 2018. Well, but, a- but maybe that's not true. Watching our our beloved Lakers. I don't know. Could it? Could it get a whole lot worse? This is no. I do think we've hit bottom. I it's got to be right because we're. It's got to be. I should mention uh, this. This podcast was recorded in a couple of chunks. One of them was uh, Monday late. Or, no, Tuesday morning. Excuse me. And then uh, Eli, you and I are talking the second half of this show Wednesday, like an hour and a half before the Lakers take on the Thunder in what I think is being referred to kindly as Paul George Awareness Night here in Los Angeles. Yeah, yeah it definitely is. <laughs> did, you read the, did you read the quotes from Paul George today? I heard... Uh, I was I was in the car a little bit today. I had to run a couple of errands that I've been putting off for 13 months. <laughs> so that's... Yeah, I'm I know doing, those errands. I'm doing, I'm doing well. Uh, and the, the ESPN LA guys were talking to Ramona Shelburne, who does a lot of that inside stuff. And she was talking about how Paul George had basically kind of doubled down on loving playing in front of a hometown crowd, but then, yeah. but then yeah. also <laughs> let some stuff slip about like Brian Shaw fishing trips that, uh, were in the investigation about tampering, but apparently no one had heard of before. But did you, did you hear how yeah, adorable he, he those sound? He definitely overshared. <laughs> he definitely Like overshared. in every possible direction did he overshare. <laughs> but how it's adorable, really, though. It's really simple. Wasn't it the cutest thing you could have ever heard? Like Paul George and his dad and Brian Shaw and his son, they go fishing together? That sounds amazing. 
Yeah, it's very cute. Maybe save it for later when you're on the team. <laughs> we got enough problems with with one tampering charge. We don't need more more tamperings. That was that was enjoyable. I mean, it's you know, it's never not something. This is L.A. that he loves that crap. No, we're such drama queens. This city. I mean, we just can't step help ourselves but stepping in <laughs> constantly. I and mean, we love it. I mean, it's fine. I, basically, the upshot of that conversation is he's coming next year. <laughs> That's what it sounded like. Uh, or at least he wants to come. Uh, he is not particularly hiding that. He speaks glowingly of Lonzo. He speaks glowingly of wanting to play in Los Angeles. Clearly, there's front channel and back channel communications <laughs> to him. And, you know, when you watch Oklahoma City and we'll watch tonight, it's like they're good, but they're good because Russell's good. And basically, they figured out that the way for them to be a contender this year is just to let Russell Westbrook do everything and then to have like a real like the best complimentary player in the world in Paul George who basically is like a glorified I don't even I was going to say Scottie Pippen but it's more like Tony Kukoc he's he's like the greatest defender they could have ever thrown out there right now he yeah exactly right he's like a three and D guy who happens to be one of the 15 best players in the league yeah so I don't think that's going to work for him. Yeah, I don't. His... It's weird too because, and you're you're a hundred percent right because I've been trying to watch a little bit more Thunder basketball lately because I was kind of I was talking about them based on a lot of box scores over the last like month and a half, and they really are a, sort of a one man gang. If if Westbrook yeah. is hot, they win, and if Westbrook is terrible, then they get their butts kicked and it looks ugly as hell. The only consistent thing on that team is Stephen Adams of all creatures. Yeah, that's he, true. He's been great. Uh, but they're basically Gladys Knight and the Pips. Yeah, they are. And just Paul George just happens to be like a very good Pip. He's an amazing Pip. He's a top Pip. He's <laughs> the best Pip, Pip of all the Pips. But but that's who they are. I mean, it's it's the Jackson Five, and it's Michael, and then Paul George is Jermaine. Stephen Adams is Tito. <laughs> and who's, Roberson is definitely Randy. Who's Which one is Carmelo? I've run out. I, can't I guess even Carmelo name would be Marlon. Oh, you're... See, this this is why we count on you, Eli, because I couldn't have told you that there was a Jackson 5 member named Marlon Jackson. I, yeah, well, Randy's really, I think, the worst one. <laughs> That's why Everybody I knows Tito. Randy Roberson. People know Tito and Jermaine. Those are the ones they right. know. Right, Jermaine is the clear two, Tito was the three, and yeah. then... Take your pick between Marlon and Randy. Anyway, that's a very deep dive on the Jackson 5. Yes, it is. It all reminds me of, and this is, we're getting way off topic again, but do you remember that weird scene at the beginning of Hot Shots where Charlie Sheen... Original or part deux? The original, where uh, Charlie Sheen is talking to like a Native American sage, and he's speaking in what they claim to be like a Native American language, but it's, it's clearly just like stupid English words strung together with subtitles at the bottom. And yes, I that, remember this. That was where I learned what Tito and Jermaine were, because those were two of the things that the sage spoketh to him. And my parents were like, oh, those are members of the Jackson <laughs> Five. Like, oh, okay. What That's is a real the, deep cut. Yeah. What is what does it all mean, though, man? Uh, I like those movies. Underrated. I, I loved those movies. I, yeah. I giggled until I urinated. Also, Charlie movies. Sheen got yoked for part two. Yeah, he was huge. like he must have been on like a Mark McGuire. Like Balco steroid plan, he was yoked. It was a that was a weird that was like man that was that was a long time ago. Holy moly! Yeah, it was. My God. Um. All right. So I was sort of dodge. Yeah. I was sort of dodging getting into the Lakers stuff for a reason. It's been yeah. It's rough. It's, it's rough. It's been ugly. The last win for LA was that insane road victory in Houston, 
where Kuzma popped off for 38 points. And since then, they lost to the Warriors. They lost to the Blazers without Damian Lillard. They lost to the Timberwolves in a game where it, it really didn't look like the Lakers wanted anything to do with the contest. Uh, they lost to the Grizzlies by 10, the Clippers by 15. Double overtime loss to the Rockets. That's yeah, I was going to say, as long as we're playing Houston, we're kind of, we have a shot. It's the weirdest thing. And then we're only good against the two best teams in the league. Yeah, Houston but that's the thing, though. Golden State. Right? Like when we looked at this month, uh, and. Oh, there goes my printer. You were, <laughs> you were the one who astutely pointed out while simultaneously betting that the Lakers would make the playoffs, that December was also going to ruin <laughs> yeah. that bet. And, it's not looking great. But it's been kind of a weird route to this conclusion, right? We thought the Lakers would like steal a couple of wins against teams like maybe Minnesota in, in that uh, the home game maybe. The Grizzlies was a very winnable game. The Blazers, when they didn't have Lillard, we thought that would be one that they could win. You know, The Knicks on the road. Things actually started okay this month when they beat the Sixers and the the Hornets, and they you know they put together good efforts against the Cavs, the Warriors twice, the Rockets twice. It's these games against the lesser teams that have been so upsetting for me, and I'm guessing for for you and most fans. No, yeah, and 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 the thing is, is like not all wins are created equal, and not all losses are created equal, and I think even when we were losing to Golden State or Houston or even the Timberwolves, whatever, you're kind of like, you know, those are upper echelon teams. And we're fighting, we're scrapping, and we're, you know, we're coming up short, but that's okay. But now we've had some sad sack losses here. Like the, you know, Memphis. Yeah, that one. The Clippers. I mean, these these are not great teams. And I think, like, we have now kind of entered into a part of the season that I was really hoping to avoid. Um, the like dr- even the, the drama the, part, the record hasn't been great, but yeah, now it's just, now there's like a air of sadness. And mm-hmm. uh, as you know, uh, and maybe our listeners know, but I'm a, you know, I work in TV. I've written on shows before and it reminds me of when you're writing on a show and it becomes evident about halfway through, you're like, oh, we're going to get canceled. <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> uh, oh, this is not a good show. And now it's just a matter of time. And, you know, <laughs> people start taking longer lunches. People start calling their agents. You know, people's doors are, that were open are suddenly not open. And there's just kind of this feeling in the, you know, when first you were ordering lunches at like Katsuya. <laughs> Now people are ordering at, you know, like Baja Fresh and they're, you know, like it's just it's just a thing happens. And, you know, I saw that they had a a players only meeting. I was like, oh, yeah, where something's bad, like the airing of grievances on a team where everyone is like 23 is not a good sign. But you kind of like saw that can air grievances. Yeah, but know? didn't you see it coming like like in the first yes. quarter of the Memphis game, and I feel like Eric and I may have even talked about that in the last episode, where if if things didn't go right in the Memphis game, that was the one where you could feel things. Yes. It was like being everything was being held together with this last thread. Scotch tape. Scotch tape. And the only way it was going to emerge okay was a win against the Grizzlies. And when that one went south... Everybody just looked at each other like, oh, here comes the here comes the team meeting. Here comes all that crap. Uh, and now they just need to find a way to pull out of it. But health has to play a factor, right? Like as Lonzo gets better, as Brooke Lopez, as much as he's taken a lot of heat this year for looking like a big, slow, lumbering ox, 
he's sort of the only guy on the team that can protect the rim at all. Uh, well, and he and he's a professional basketball player. Yeah, like he's done what, this what's been weird about these losses is like the professionalism has seemed to have waned a little bit. There's all kinds of. I mean, look, I'm not gonna go too like full detective on this, but when you look at just the minutes people are getting, it's all weird. Like Kuzma got like short minutes recently. Clarkson minutes have been weird. Randall's now getting big minutes after getting small minutes. You're just like, okay, so behind the scenes, basically what you can piece together is some permutation of Clarkson and Randall have been bitching about their roles on the team. And probably rightfully so. You know, I think you guys talked about it on the last episode. Like there's this weird thing where we're playing for this year and Luke is coaching for this year, but mostly it's about next year. And it's about what pieces we're going to have and who's not going to be here. Clearly, those are the two guys who know that their names are being floated around for Nerdlands, Noel, and whoever. The <laughs> and uh, and it's just, you know, it's obviously that clouds a locker room. You know, it's like, why why am I going to work my ass off when you guys don't want me, when you're dangling me in trades? Yeah, uh, the contract stuff I feel like I need to learn more about, but it, it seems to me that if the Lakers do sign two max guys, then they cannot keep uh randall and clarkson the only way that either of those guys remains in la is if they don't get two max guys and harrison was actually talking about a little bit on the, the first half of the show that they would they need to move uh two of randall clarkson and dang two of those three guys right, need to be moved right. to clear out the second max spot and then uh, presumably the other guy would have to take like a massive salary cut to to stay in la and that with young guys, that doesn't usually happen all that often. So they got to go kind of make a nest egg before they can think about taking cuts. So, you know, whether or not there's so that I'm I'm getting I'm like weaving through weird thought processes in my mind. There's a lot of hate about how the Lakers are handling the Randall Clarkson thing, but at yeah, the same time, I'm gonna add, I'm gonna add to the hate, Dan. But I'm don't other GMs know? Don't the other GMs know? Like they look at the Lakers books and they're like, oh. Well, they have to get rid of these guys, so yes, they have no of leverage. Course. So it sort of doesn't matter what like what Magic and Rob say about them, right? Does that matter? No, but the po- the point is that they shouldn't be saying anything. Like, and here you go. Like, I'll maybe there's a version where like other GMs are leaking this stuff to drive the prices down or whatever. But the one thing I can that seems to be true to me is Magic and Palinka or whatever, whatever permutation of those two guys. <laughs> are playing a little just fast and loose with the rumor mill. I mean, they're not very cagey about what they're trying to do. It's like within succession, you read the reports from Woj that Randall was being dangled for Nerland's Noel. Then you read that Jordan Clark's it, that the Lakers no, think they can get a, get a return. I'm putting air quotes on that for Jordan Clarkson. So that's either means some other douchey executive is leaking that to screw with us. Or Magic Johnson is just wheeling and dealing from his <laughs> office and just like loudly proclaiming this stuff and leaking stuff, which like no that's not going to work that great in your locker room when two like rotation players on your team are reading their names in the news of like, yeah, this this guy's expendable. <laughs> Don't worry. He's going to be out of here. No problem. So and it's just like it's just not great for morale. Well, what what can they I mean, if they were silent, do you think that would 
would make a difference with the on-court stuff right now, or was this just a stretch of games where the Lakers were doomed from the outset, almost regardless of what was going on? All I know is if my wife was going to, like, divorce me, like, I would probably, if I was hearing the phone conversations where she was, like, interviewing prospective second husbands (laughs) over and over again, it would make it a little bit harder to just sit in my house and be normal. (laughs) You know what I mean? Like, it would be... In some ways, I'd appreciate the the heads up, but as far as my like performance as a husband, it probably would be less good than if I was just blindsided at the end of the day. <laughs> I don't know if that makes any sense, but it does. Make it a just doesn't sense. seem like a great policy. Here. <laughs> That's pretty good. I enjoyed that. Uh, okay, so um, looking towards the future, then over the next couple of weeks, the Lakers are home. Wednesday night, they host the Thunder, they host the the Hornets on Friday, the Hawks on Sunday, the Kings on Tuesday, the Spurs on Thursday. sounds good. Yeah, right? So, like, three of those five games that I mentioned on that homestand, and then, you know, we don't know which of the Spurs are actually going to play in that last one. Three of the five feel very winnable. The Kings are bad. The Hawks are bad. Yeah, but guess who's worse than, well, okay. Have you looked at the standings? I know. We're behind them. We're behind them. We're behind them. But I know the schedule's been tougher for the Lakers than the Kings and the Hawks, for sure. But we're in last in the West. We're in dead last. But life gets better. worse than the Kings. Life gets better. We have to, like, the team team has to take advantage of this. Like, this, hopefully this... Dan, but, okay, this is, I know this is, everything you're saying is right and rational and good. (laughs) But, like, we have a dude on our team in jail. Oh my god, that whole thing. Like we have a dude who <laughs> visits a jail temp- from time to time who like can't travel out of state. I'm just saying like there's something there was something like really exciting and great about this team and fun, but now there's like an air of just like straight up weirdness going on. I wonder we have if- like a guy with like an ankle bracelet on our team. We have like a bunch of weirdos, we have like a bunch of injuries. We have closed-door meetings. Like, I just don't know what's happening. I wonder if the Lakers end up playing better on the road where none of this stuff... Where the stuff maybe... I shouldn't say none of it. Where where the stuff maybe doesn't reach them as yes. strongly. And, and both home and road coming up, the schedule does lighten a lot. Like, three of the five games on this homestand are against teams that are not very good. They go on the road, they play the Mavs and the, and the, uh, the Grizzlies before they have the Thunder again in a couple of weeks. And then back home... Pacers and Knicks among the three games on that homestand. They've got a road trip where they play the the Bulls, the Magic, the Nets uh, are all mixed in there. So they, they've got some games coming up against some clunker teams. They basically play the Thunder every other game this month for whatever reason. Uh, they, they Like if they can well, Paul refocus. Paul George can do some house shopping while yeah. he's there. <laughs> he can look around at schools like LeBron was doing with his kid, right? Yeah. Uh, but it feels like this this moment, and maybe tonight will be the the night. When I say tonight, I mean Wednesday again. Uh, where if the Lakers can refocus a little bit, and I know this is sort of blind optimism, but if they can get refocused for this game, even if they don't win it, they have to believe that this stretch coming up with some good effort, they could legitimately go three and two on the homestand. They could go two and one pretty easily on the road trip. They could actually post a winning record over the next like three to four weeks. But they can't just lie down like they've been doing against Grizzlies, Blazers, these teams that had no business beating them in LA. You're just you're gonna lose. You're gonna lose ugly if you play no defense like that. And 
I don't know what needs to change to get him back on track. Is it just Lonzo? No, I mean, I, I, I think everything is a bigger picture issue, which is like now there's a cloud over this team. And I'm not saying they can't outrun it and maybe they'll figure it out. Um, but I agree with you. I think like maybe being on the road is probably good because at home it's like you're talking to all your friends and they're telling you about the fact that you're going to get traded and, and all mm-hmm. this stuff. But that's why I think what's really like when you kind of piece everything together, it's like it's more than the injuries. It's just there's something funky going on with this team, mm-hmm. like a cloud of funk. The 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 P funk mothership <laughs> landed and is hovering over this team and. I think Lonzo being back will help because to a certain extent Lonzo brings with him his own private circus and maybe that distracts from the kind of team's general circus. It'll, it'll be more like LeVar Lithuania talk and maybe that's maybe maybe the rest of the team. Yeah. Oddly, Lonzo can handle that and these other guys don't seem to be able to handle a lot of talk about them. The kind of Randalls and Clarksons of the bunch. Yeah. Um, that actually does make a lot of sense. I I, you know, with with Lonzo kind of being desensitized to it over his entire life of just knowing that every every step of the way is going to be its own circus. I always wonder with things like this, and I don't know that I've been able to isolate the moment, but a lot of teams go through these rough stretches, and then all of a sudden you look back like a month later and they're sort of over. But I don't know how they end. Is it just a win? Is that all it takes to end a rough stretch to get everybody feeling happy again? I don't know with this team. I mean, like, I think it's pot. It, once again, it like depends what our goals are for this season. For me, my personal goal is to not give our draft pick to the <laughs> Celtics. So <laughs> that means we have to get out of the two to five slot. Mm. Um, like if we if we can get out of there, I'm kind of cool with it. I've pretty much accepted the fact that I'm going to have to do whatever. Uh, I'm I'm going to lose the bet with Eric, so I'm going to have to do whatever that is, be it frosted tips or auditioning for The Voice. Um, so I've kind of conceded that. I do think that, like, you know, I think once again going back to my like television show analogy is that like eventually you just got to like move on. Like you're just kind of want to hope that people that the show gets canceled so you can so you can pull the cord and look for something else. I do think they're going to have to figure out what they're doing with this Randall Clarkson thing. I mean, I know like technically they can wait, but if they want this season to go in a better direction, I think they're going to need to figure out some kind of clearer path with those guys or just have a sit down with them and be like, look, man, like we're trying to trade you and it's just going to take what it's going to take. Or Hmm. I don't, I don't know. Whatever that is, they just need to get that in a better place because it seems when you like read the quotes from that, like airing the grievance, whatever. It was just very cryptic, and it was a lot about like who needs to hear what, and about being professional, and all this kind of like code talk for like people are pouting, and I think they're losing the locker room a little bit. And and that was what was nice about the beginning of the season is it seemed like a really cohesive unit where people liked each other and they were having fun, and now it feels the opposite of that all right so answer riddle me this before we wrap things up uh on sort of yes. the the welcome back to 2018 pod riddle me this, <laughs> this super dark yeah welcome back. well luckily uh that's exactly what i was thinking because i do feel like we could talk about 
we need to do this is like our little exercise here let's each pick one thing that we've liked over the last week i'm sure we can find something right there's got to be something is it just i'll tell you what after standing in eight degree weather looking at steve harvey (laughs) dressed like a creamsicle michelin man (laughs) i'm very happy to be home in in los angeles but yes yes you're trying find the positive yeah there's got to be something is it just kuzma he's been a positive i think well i think the positive is that help is on the way. We're going to get Lonzo back. We're going to get Brooke back. Um, once again, I think like if you if you kind of project forward of what this team is going to look like in the future, Kuzma is a stud. Like Kuzma is a straight stud who's going to be on this team for a whole bunch of years. Uh, I think Lonzo that's two guys. Ingram's a stud. That's three guys. I mean, like, some of this is just temporary. It's just going to be unpleasant until they figure out, you know, what what Randall and Clarkson fit in to the future or don't fit in the future. But I still feel really good about the pieces that are going to be, like, long-term pieces of this team. There you it's go. just like... See, that's good. That's know. positive. That's a positive that's positive. Thing. Yeah, I, uh, you know, I'm, I'm actually going to say that I, I think Julius Randle has been a little bit of a positive lately. They finally kind of gave has. him a chance, and he's just been bowling people over, uh, which is good. <laughs> of course, he's still trying to shop him. You know, the best way to shop a guy is to let him go out there and, and ball out a little bit, so... Good for Julius. He, he went well, crazy. that's right. That, that, that's the conversation they're having with him, which is like, look, man, this is good for you. You're going to get a huge contract if we give you these minutes. You know, clearly they're giving him more minutes now, probably based on some permutation mm-hmm. of that conversation. I think you're totally right. Please go help us win a few games. Dig us out of the cellar so we don't have to give our pick to the Celtics. On the way, you can build yourself up a whole bunch of credit and uh, you can make $70 million this offseason. That feels like a nice sort of... That's a win win all around. That's a win all around. All right, so that's good. We, we found something positive, and <laughs> I, I feel better about that. Uh, good. So uh, when are we doing our next one? This weekend? We can have a pod this weekend? Yeah, I think we should. I think we should. we got to get Eric back off the... You know the Bodhi tree or whatever, <laughs> wherever he's at right we now. We can't. We I've forgotten when he said he's returning. It's in an e- email somewhere. I think it's soon, but we also can't contact him to ask again. So uh, <laughs> when Eric turns up, we'll get him back on this thing. But we'll uh, hopefully have some better stuff to talk about. The Lakers have uh, games again Wednesday, Friday, and then Sunday is the evening one. So there, there's a possibility we may be doing our traditional podcast right as a ball game starting, and then. Uh, like timing ourselves out before we even get the show uh, uploaded. That's the way we roll here at Ball In, Ball That's Out. That's our move. Uh, Eli, make your back spasms feel better. Thank you for Thank you, for braving it, for sitting upright here and getting on the pod. I can see you in a video chat, and, and you look spry as ever. <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> a, a six and a half hour flight after oh, that standing horrible. for like eight hours in... Eight degree temperature did not do well for my back. Oh but. my god, that sounds, that sounds so awful. That we're we're, we're, get, we're gonna get back. We're on the like the Lakers. We're on the up and up. We've hit the bottom. That's right. We hit the bottom of the pool. I touched it with my foot, and I'm springing back up to the surface along with our Lakers. Yeah, that's how we're gonna end this bad boy. We're springing to the surface, everybody. We're we're digging out from 
way coming beneath. Up for air. We're coming up for <laughs> air. Uh, Lakers take on the Thunder on Wednesday night. We'll have results from that one coming up in a pod later on. He is Eli Bauman. I am Dan Bespris. And thank you once again. A big thank you to our buddy Harrison Fagan for popping on the show uh, and talking Lakers with us, with us a little bit. This is Ball In, Ball Out, a hoop ball presentation. We'll talk to you soon. See you, Paul George. This has been a Hoop Bowl presentation.